Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight better parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. everyone welcome to fits on fantasy i'm pat fitzmorris find me on twitter at fits underscore ff great to have you here with me and joining me now is jordan mcnamara he is a member of the great team at football guys he co-hosts the football guys dynasty show along with chad parsons he hosts the analytics of dynasty podcast available on his site and of course he is the author of the analytics of dynasty an indispensable resource if you are a dynasty manager. We're going to talk more about the book later. Jordan, my friend, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. It's good to be back and uh, and and talk a little uh, a little off season with you. Yeah, man. And uh, all right, so I guess we got to talk about this right at the top. Um, the Tom Brady retirement. I mean, we're going to talk a lot of dynasty as the show goes on, but um, you know, I'm not going to ask you to be responsible for the epitaph on Brady's career or anything like that. But uh, what sort of takeaways do you have on him? Like, how are you going to remember Tom Brady's career? I mean, he'll be the greatest of all time, I think. I mean, for me, I'm still a little sore from last week in the, the Bills lost. So I guess I guess I, will, I won't have to suffer the Tom Brady trauma anymore as, as being a Bills fan. I guess that's, that's a good addition of this. Patrick Mahomes has now filled that void. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, one good aspect of it from my perspective, but, um, I mean, he, he bent the age curves and, and fantasy and dynasty. I mean, you know, we're going to see the average age of like top six and top 12 finishers plummet, uh, years because, you know, there's two decades coming out of that, uh, his spot in the age. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be different. And you look at the NFC, it's going to be a total, um, you know, if, if Rogers wants to leave Green Bay, like who's, you know. Is Stafford the best quarterback? Is Dak the best quarterback? I mean, you have a, it's a, it's just a, a total change in the NFC. And I think there's going to be, a, you know, a big power shift in terms of how some of these teams look at it going forward. Yeah. Um, I'll mention to the listeners that you are in Syracuse, New York. So you are in Bill's country. And uh, I can understand your uh, <laughs> the torment that Brady has caused you over the years. Um, yeah. It, and I guess he, you have to put him in that sort of like he's Joe Montana plus like Montana was never like the the strongest armed quarterback in the league, but just a guy who consistently got it done when he needed to get it done. And Brady certainly did that. And I just think like he lost an entire season in his prime, that 2008 season, which was on the heels of his 50 touchdown 2007 season. And, uh, you know, injured in the first quarter of the Patriots season opener in 2008, Bernard Pollard hits him uh, low and tears his ACL. Um, Just amazing what the overall numbers could have looked like if you, you know, tag on one more full season of fantastic numbers. Um, Who do do you think starts the season at quarterback for the Buccaneers in 2022? Do you think it's uh, Kyle Trask? Blaine Gabbert or someone not currently on the Bucks roster. It's a great question. Um, I was I jokingly said it's Blaine Gabbert season uh, on, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, after the Brady retirement, it might is be. This, man, are we being are we being hoodwinked? Like, is there a possibility we're being hoodwinked? I mean, I, I don't think that. I don't think we are. And this would be like uh like one of those scenarios where it'd be like, you know, if if the analytics of dynasty came out and released like a congratulatory message to me about like going on vacation and then I all of a sudden like my personal Twitter account was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like it's impossible that Brady's like not hasn't decided not to retire unless it isn't, right? You know what I mean? Like I I it's so weird about how this has all come out that I don't entirely rule out the possibility that he's going to play, but I think he's done. You know what I mean? It's just a weird, uh, you know, all of his friends are congratulating him. His, his company's congratulating him. And then 
he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So I don't know. It's, it's odd. So I wouldn't put it past him to not be, to change his mind, I guess, uh, until he's, I've seen enough of him like come back from the dead to, to uh, not, you know, as a Bills fan to, to not write him off entirely until he's actually, you know, not playing. So um, that caveat aside, I don't know. I mean, this could be an attractive spot if they could bring someone in. I don't know the cap implications of it, but could this be a landing spot for a guy like Rogers if they could make it work? Um, you know, and I, I don't know. Um, I think it's there's a ton of uncertainty. And you look around, it's it's really interesting because, you know, people are going to rag on Garoppolo. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, for guys like Kirk Cousins, I don't think it's a ton of respect. But you look around, you start counting, and there's not 32 guys that, that qualify as franchise starting quarterbacks. There's not even 32 guys you feel that confident in walking around the face of the earth right now to play quarterback. And, I mean, if that number is, like, if there's if there's 20 guys walking around that are truly franchise quarterbacks that's a lot and i don't think it's it's probably not anywhere close to that um which is just wild when you think about it there's just going to be such a glut with roethlisberger and brady gone that we could have guys like kyle trash or playing gabbert starting just almost out of necessity i think it's a really interesting spot so i don't know um but it wouldn't shock me if either of those two guys are starting yeah i mean it's the free agency um, the chase for quarterbacks, it's going to be really fascinating because it's a game of musical chairs and there just are not enough chairs this year. And so um, for all the uh, fun we have had making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple of weeks, like he is going to be a coveted asset, uh, it, like not free agency, but, uh, you know, he's got a year left in his deal with the 49ers. There are going to be people ready to pay up for him, I think, uh, when they look at what the alternatives are because I don't think there's any quarterback in this incoming draft class who's going to be necessarily someone you're going to want to start in week one. I think all these, these guys are sort of, uh, you know, groom guys who need to be groomed a little bit or, or prepped a little bit before they're ready. Uh, maybe you, you disagree on that. We'll talk more about the rookies a little later, but um, yeah, so it, it will be fascinating. Do you, just shifting gears a little bit here. Do you think the Brady retirement fundamentally changes the way you view Mike Evans for dynasty? Like Chris Godwin is going to be a free agent. Rob Gronkowski, if he chooses to continue playing, is going to be a free agent. But Evans' contract with the Buccaneers runs for two more years. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I mean, is is Mike Evans going to be a Hall of Famer? Because as you look at the arc of his career, like – if he if he plays a couple more years, like he's going to be putting him, you know, at the at a, a relatively the same level that he's been playing or close to it uh, at this stage of his career, like he's going to have a really really interesting case to be a Hall of Famer. Um, and I don't, um, you know, so I like I think that some of the easiest things are uh, as as dynasty asset profiles is that right is like take guys that are really good that are. You know, maybe if you sort of did it on an average age curve, they're on the back half of it, but at the market totally falls off quicker, right? People have been writing Mike Evans off for three years now. Um, they've been writing Brandon Cooks off for even longer than that. And these guys, all they do, right? I mean, all all Mike Evans has ever done in the NFL is have a thousand yards and post a top twenty four fantasy season. So, um, with with a variety of different quarterbacks, and so I I I'll just sort of bet on that continuing. Um, and I think it's a pretty safe bet. And I don't think you're being priced. It's not priced that high either, which is really nice. You know what I mean? There is, you know, if there is a little bit of come down from where the Brady effect, I still think he's going to be fine. You're shooting at a really wide, an asset shooting at an asset, like uh, Mike Evans's dynasty profile is shooting at a really wide target. I love making those types of bets. Yeah. And, um, I think he's going to be a hall of famer, like eight, eight, straight thousand yard seasons to start his career. He's got his ring already, um, you know, and he's not close to being done. Like, I think by the time he's done with his career, people are going to regard him as a, a walk-in guy. Isn't that 2014 class, like when you look at, when you look at that 2014 class, the arc of it, like he's been there the whole time, but now it's like Adams, right? It was Odell Beckham Jr. Like the arc of it, and it's it's been like a couple of really consistent things. Like Mike Evans and Brandon Cooks have been like the top four in that class, and other guys have oscillated up and down. Um, it's really it's a fascinating class, and and Evans is I mean better in that class in terms of raw stats than 
than basically anyone. I don't know if he's at any point been the absolute best of that class, but it's a really fascinating career arc just in terms of how good he has been. And we almost take it for granted, which is a it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it is. And I, I man, like until you mentioned it, I, I forgot that Brandon Cooks was part of that class. Like he's another one who's been a, a pretty stable asset. But yeah, we've had some volatile assets with Devontae Adams, who at one point we wondered if his career was ever going to get going because he got off to such a bad start. And, and you know, Beckham, whose value was in the tank until the Rams sort of rejuvenated his value. So um, yeah, that is a fascinating class. And Evans has been just the, the rock steady uh you know, baseline of, of that interesting class. Um, uh, let's talk about quarterbacks for a few minutes, Jordan. And let me start with a simple either or question for you. And you mentioned this guy a little earlier. Who would you prefer to have in a super flex dynasty roster, Trevor Lawrence or Matthew Stafford? Um, uh, Matthew Stafford with the caveat that I think you could trade Lawrence to Stafford, uh, you know, Lawrence plus for Stafford. Um, and you know, one of the things that I've I've looked at, I, I the analytics of Dynasty, I like to sort of have answers to these types of questions because they they come up right, and it's you look at guys who are you know uh, Stafford's what mid to probably later part of his career. I mean, almost definitionally, he'd have to be on the back half of his career because he's been playing so long. But you sort of look at at his age range, and there's still plenty of room to go. Um, I've always had some specific questions about him about how long he's going to play. Again, he's I think has had a rough physical career um, in terms of, you know, he has been banged up, um, you know, his wife uh, as well, her health. So you, you wonder if he, instead of playing until 40, if he's one that hangs it up, you know, mid thirties, right. You sort of wonder that um, another, you know, if, if, by the way, if he gets a ring, that's going to be a fascinating Hall of Fame debate in a couple of years if he keeps playing. You know what that looks like. Um, if he gets a if he gets a ring or two, I mean, he's going to be. I mean, he he will probably end up and be in the top ten, if not the top five all time in passing. Um, so it's, that's a really interesting one. And again, that's coming from a, a range where has was he ever the best at any given point? But he's he's basically an aggregator. It's a really interesting conversation. But you sort of look at him. I mean, I, the only question I have about Stafford, the only reason I wouldn't be smashing the Stafford side on this is, I guess there's two. Lawrence costs more, so I think he can go from Lawrence to Stafford plus something. Um, and I, I wonder if there's a little bit of an early hangup factor. But all my research suggests like there's a couple of things that are really easy to do at the same cost. When you have two guys that are. Uh, when one of them has zero hits, right? So one of them hasn't produced anything for a top twenty, a top twelve seasonal finish, and someone has produced multiple hits. You are crazy to take the person that doesn't have multiple hits. Um, it is such a difference in terms of future production that um, you're talking wins and wins over five years. Like you're talking probably multiple win difference over the next five years in your fantasy team. Um, you're talking both a huge upside and a downside difference uh, between those two. And there's a huge fall off. The guys that haven't hit, they're a huge value risk. So all of those things uh, point to you take Stafford in this, especially when you're getting plus on top of the market. Um, you take the Stafford profile and I think all the stuff we said about Stafford, I would absolutely take him. You know, I, I feel comfortable enough, even though I have a little bit of question about his longevity, I feel comfortable enough that, um, I think what he does in the next couple of years is going to trounce anything. It, Trevor Lawrence would have to be Patrick Mahomes on the back half of that to really make up the difference. And I don't think he is. And that's the interesting thing. Cause I like in my dynasty rankings, I do have Lawrence ranked ahead of Stafford. And I do agree with your assessment that if you were going to trade those guys straight up, that the person getting Stafford would be able to, to charge a, a tax and get something else, a, you know, a second round pick and a super flex dynasty, maybe more than that. Um, so yeah. And there's, there's tangible, there's this tangible value with Stafford right now. Like we know he's going to be a top 10 quarterback again next year, barring any sort of injury. Um, so are, are dynasty managers overvaluing the quarterbacks from last year's rookie class just because they have time, you know, but they haven't really done anything. And I know, like, I, I think people are even kind of overinflating what Justin Fields did at the end of the season. Um, so, you know, like, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, are these guys being overvalued simply because they have time ahead of them? I mean, they have time until they don't, 
And that's the, that's the thing about young players that, especially young quarterbacks, that gives me a lot of pause. And because I, I assumed going into this, um, you know, and as I've, as I've sort of done the analytics of dynasty research, um, like these questions have come up to me and it's always been like, well, how do we value sort of longevity and that stuff? It's, it's an age old dynasty conundrum, but what you see is, is I don't think the longevity on these guys, if they haven't done it is all that certain. Um, you look at guys, you know, it's about 50, 60 starts for top, tw- top 10 picks who don't hit in their career. So that's, you know, that's the, the, you know, basically the year three year four, kind of that Daniel Jones, not all the way there yet in terms of, uh, you know, he's been hurt and everything. So I think you still have a little bit of that uncertainty, but that comes quicker than you think. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and you just look at the difference between, um, you know, how do guys develop? Well, they either develop or they don't relatively quickly. And you sort of look at, you know, it was a, it was a year two jump for Lamar, right? It was a year three jump for, for Josh Allen. Um, you know, and, and the guys that middle out, they, they tend to fall off, right? Baker Mayfield, right? Those guys, that's not a, you don't tend to middle out and then jump. You tend to jump and then, um, you know, to, to the elites, to the high end difference makers. Uh, and so that's a concerning, that's a sort of concerning arc. And I, you know, Lawrence, this was a bad year for Lawrence. Um, you know, I think, uh, with the other guys. I mean, I think you have to, Trey Lance is really interesting because you have to have questions about, you know, why didn't he play more? Um, but you could have had the same questions about Mahomes, right? I don't know. I think that's a case by case basis. I think you probably forgive that to some degree. Um, you know, with, with fields, I mean, I think if you're, if these guys are being valued as top 10 guys, I think it's too high. That would sort of be my take on it. I think I'd rather have Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Stafford. Um, or I'd rather use them to pivot up. I mean, give me, you know, someone was asking me, you know, do I, do I trade Dak and sort of build around Lawrence? And I was like, no, you trade Lawrence and you build around, you know, trade Lawrence and, and picks and give me Mahomes, give me Josh Allen. Like that thing, that is a consequential, huge odds boost in terms of your team. Those would be the moves that I would make. So I tend not to settle in that range. And if they have like sort of preserved value, I use it now instead of hold on to it. Now I think I'm going to have to reassess my uh, dynasty quarterback rankings because I think I have uh, like Lance, Lawrence, and Fields like eight, nine, ten in my rankings right now. So I do have them in all of them in the top ten. I'm going to have to check that. And um, you you recently said something on Twitter that I thought was pretty interesting, and uh, I'll quote you directly here: "The dynasty. Oh boy, this is always dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought this was a uh, this was really fascinating, and I kind of like pondered this when I first saw it." Um, the dynasty community spends from January through April engaging in the rookie process. This is the same process that dumped all over the back-to-back QB one, Josh Allen. Want to get an edge in your dynasty leagues? Spend less, not more time evaluating rookies. So can you expand on that a little bit? Like, are you saying the dynasty managers are prone to just, uh, kind of obsessing over the rookies this time of year to the, uh, exclusion of maybe, more valuable analysis elsewhere. We spend more time engaging in rookie analysis than the season is long. And when you think about that, that's kind of crazy. You think about the lack of, um, you know, the, the lack of difference makers that, that come out of drafts. I mean, we spent, you know, if we went down the top, um, you know, if we went down the top, what, seven or eight last year of the, of rookie draft boards and super flex drafts, I mean, you've got, you had Pitts, you had chase, you had, uh, Harris, right? Basically the non-quarterbacks did really well. Um, and, but that, that shouldn't have been particularly hard to figure out, right? That shouldn't have been, um, you know, they were, they were all first round picks. I mean, Pitts, right? You didn't, uh, I think you could have come to that conclusion easier. Um, and you could have just probably come to that conclusion from, from using some base rates and some other stuff as well. Um, which is a lot of stuff I talk about in the book. Um, I think we do ourselves a disservice by, by, spending all that time where you could be working on your team build, right? You could be working on, you know, some of the stuff that I talk about, about, you know, like that, the, the, how do you pivot off of a guy like Trevor Lawrence, right? Work on that because that's a, that's a high value thing, right? That's something you can really make a difference on. One of the things that we see in rookie drafts constantly, um, and is, um, and I don't think is anyone's fault, um, uh, but we have, we're privy to incomplete information, right? We, we don't know, um, how are we supposed to know the difference between Josh Allen and Sam Darnold's their development arcs? Right? How we just we have no idea to know that, 
And there, there's probably a way to solve for that. There's probably a way to give us a better edge, but we're never going to have access to it, right? Maybe it's, you know, I uh, maybe it's body rate tracking or something like that that we just don't have access to, right? We just don't know. Um, uh, and so we're, and the market has shown that, right? The the top ten picks in the NFL draft in terms of the order of which they go off in the NFL draft has been random in terms of fantasy production. Uh, that has been, and dynasty managers have been no better. Dynasty uh, rookie draft ADP has not been predictive uh, when you look at those top 10 quarterbacks of guys who hit uh, versus guys who don't. And so, you know, taking, instead of taking Lawrence, taking two of the other guys, right? Taking uh, Mac, uh, taking uh, Fields or Lance, like you could have done that, or you could have pivoted to to Pitts and, and Harris or Pitts and Chase. Like you could have done those trades and given yourself better odds. I think those are things that that give you a lot more value. And the other thing too is wide receivers, right? We spend, you know, Chase has done well, but you look at the other, you know, you look at some of the other ones, and ADP hasn't been predictive of that either. And so if we're not getting, if we're spending all this time and and not providing any more value than randomness. Um, I think you should pivot. And so my takeaway from that is don't study wide receivers more. It's figure out ways to pivot more, right? To take multiple bets, right? Instead of taking Rashad Bateman, figure out a way to make it so that you're taking Jalen Waddle and that you're taking Kadarius Tony, right? Which I think was a gettable trade. You could have done that in your rookie drafts last year, making those types of bets, right? Doing it more structurally um, and letting other people, you know, you talked about the tax. I think that's the right phrase, right? Let other people pay that tax, right? Be the tax collector, right? Let other people pay up for their more certain bets and just realize that there's a ton of uncertainty in the bets you're making. And I think that those types of things are a huge edge more than you could ever study players. Shohei Otani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. FTX is the fully regulated, safe, and easy way to buy and sell Bitcoin, Ethereum, even NFTs. Plus, you can earn free crypto on every trade over $10, all with up to 85% lower fees than other crypto exchanges. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX. Show Hazen. Are you? Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learn a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow while well, the whole crew's all, you induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. The tax collector. I like that. Um, all right. That said, before we get off quarterbacks, I do have to ask uh, of the rookies from this this last class, like who do you have the most hope for? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, um, with the caveat that I'm probably below market on all of them, um, just because of the things that we've talked about. Um, I mean, I think Mac Jones is probably going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I don't know if that's a difference-making fantasy option. Um, I I still like Fields. Um, I thought Fields was a better quarterback coming out than than Lawrence in just my analysis. But I realize that there's again we talk about stuff that we don't know. There's something that we don't know about Fields that makes the market on him in the NFL that probably knows that information a lot more skeptical. So I think we have to be cautious of that. Um, you know, and and I still think he has some flaws there as well. Um, so I think, like, if I had to pick one, I think he's the most interesting one. I'll give a shout out to Davis Mills too. I think what he yes. did, I think, like, people wanted to sort of, um, you know, I I I didn't pay much mind to it, which was probably a mistake. Uh, but uh, he's put himself. We we talked to earlier on about there's a lack of guys, right? There's just there's just not enough guys to be franchise quarterbacks, like. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback, but I think he probably is going to deserve another shot at being that guy for that team. And I think that's a really interesting uh, way to go about it. You know, keep taking shots at the position uh, if you're an NFL team and maybe you trip into a Davis Mills who I don't know if he's a long term difference maker, but maybe he sort of bridges you to the gap. Same in the way that you can figure out like Philadelphia is done with Jalen Hurts, right? Doing that type of thing with the quarterback, I think it's really interesting. And I, I think of all the guys, like that's the most fascinating one going forward in terms of NFL team building to watch. 
Yeah. Um, and when you look at the numbers, like completion percentage, YPA, interception rate, like they were all pretty impressive for a rookie. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes beyond the stats too. Like the fact that uh, he kind of helped derail the, the Chargers playoff bid uh, with that, you know, he, he won some games you would not have expected him to win. So I absolutely agree that he's kind of an intriguing asset for the future. Um, turning to running backs, Jordan, I'm going to assume that Jonathan Taylor is the uh, running back one in your dynasty rankings. Who's number two? Uh, that's a good question. This is a tough one. Um, I think there's there's probably two different cases for it. I think there's uh, there's McCaffrey and there's probably Najee Harris would sort of be my thought. Um, how you want to go in there. I'm a little bit tepid on Swift, although I think he's probably uh, you know the next step down from those guys. Um, you know, I think... I think it's probably McCaffrey because you have to have um, if one of these guys produces like the, the best running back season, like in history, it's probably McCaffrey. So I think that that you sort of have to embrace some of that, that upside. I mean, when he's, he's a, if he plays, he's, he's the highest scorer, right? I mean, he has the, he, we've seen that. I mean, he's averaged more than 25 points in the, in the games that he's played over the past couple of years, even though he's been hurt. Right. So, I mean, we've seen that with him and I think that that's really interesting. So he would be second. Um, you know, if you wanted to go sort of longer term on a build, I can see you going Harris. Um, I have a little bit more questions about Swift, uh, than I do those guys. So that's would sort of be the order when I'd put him in. Yeah, I've got McCaffrey too also, and I think I've got Dalvin Cook ranked higher than consensus for kind of the same reason. Um, you know, and I know Cook gets hurt a lot and McCaffrey gets hurt a lot, but like running backs, it's... That's it's what happens, the, right? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, we thought Derrick Henry was indestructible until he wasn't and, you know, missed half a season. So, um, yeah, what's speaking of injuries, what's your take on Cam Akers' dynasty value? I'm curious about this because like on one hand, I want to get excited about this kid. Like I love the speed power combo. I love the run catch versatility. I love that he came back so quickly from such a severe injury, but it seems like the acres worship has already gotten a little out of control in some corners of, of fantasy Twitter. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like if he goes off in the Super Bowl. I mean, like I have him at running back three in my dynasty ranking. So maybe I'm among the people guilty of being too high on him. But at the same time, like if I was doing a startup dynasty draft today, super flex, like I do not think I would get acres because I'd have a crap load of quarterbacks and wide receivers ranked ahead of him. And hell, like I might even have Kyle Pitts ranked ahead of him because like I know that barring some sort of catastrophic injury, like two years from now, three years from now, Pitts is going to be a coveted fantasy assets. And with a running back, who the hell knows? So what about you? Where are you on acres? No, I think that's, I think that's, um, that's the conundrum, right? Like you could be higher on him versus running backs and still be not in on him just strategically because you're not going to take running backs, you know? So I, I, I do, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Um, I think it's, I think this acres is probably a good reminder of sometimes you have to play the long game on things. And, you know, people talked about, oh, like it's impossible to come back from this and all the running back stuff. Um, if you actually looked at some of that running back data that that people were talking about last year about how running backs never returned, um, and no offense to anyone that suffered this injury, but they weren't like very good running backs. Like there were some good running backs there, but it's like late career Arian Foster, right? Like Mikel Lashore, yeah. Mikel exactly. Lashore, but he's probably the best of them. And I think he actually produced a top 24 seasonal finish on his return. Um, like there's a couple of guys in there, you know, but Mikel Lashore is basically the, probably the best profile in there. Um, you know, and then you've got like some day three guys that, that do, are, have a particularly high hit rate anyways, right? Um, and I always thought with with Acres, it was like, hey, like look around though. Like we've seen this at other spots. Like Kenny Naganu has come back, right? And and uh, from from this and as a day three, an early day three pick, and tested really well for Minnesota um, when, before they drafted him. And then you look like Kevin Durant. Like if you sort of look around, like there's other places where we can see advancements in medicine that can sort of add to that sample size and to say, hey, something like this is probably possible. Um, it's crazy to me that the time frame that he came back, I never would have said, I would have never thought if you had said this year, but like, you're crazy, you know, we would have been looking at 2022. Um, so it's really exciting and you've seen the workload, like it's really exciting. So I don't have, I mean, if you're going to take a swing, 
up there. I, I do think it, it depends like what type of swing you want to make. Cause you can go, you know, I think you look at Gibson, who's like a top eight guy. If you look at some of the, the market stuff, I mean, I'd clearly rather have acres just because I think he makes more of a difference, you know, and I, like I could see, like I could see the case for him ahead of Swift. Um, I think you know more things about Swift, so I think that's interesting. I mean, Javante Williams is over those guys, and that's crazy to me. Um, you know, so um, that I I just can't get on board with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think Acres, and it depends. Like, if you want to take Acres ahead of uh, the old guy, right? If you want to go young at the position, all of a sudden he's like a top five running back right? at least. And then if you sort of say, well, I can blend it a little bit. Like, all right, I can see how he falls a little bit. I think it really matters what you want to do with the position. I mean, how do you value him versus Kamara, for example? I mean, that's a that's a philosophical debate that you sort of have to tease out a little bit. Uh, but if you depending on what route you want to take, I think it's really interesting. The other thing you could say is like, hey, if you want to wait at the position, I mean, kind of what you were just saying, like go attack wide receivers, go attack quarterbacks. I mean, look at the back, ha- like look at, you know, 12 through 20 of, you know, keep trade cut as a resource that I use. Uh, Delvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, ETN, Derek Henry, David Montgomery, uh, Elijah Mitchell, Josh Jacobs. I mean, uh, Zeke, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, excuse me, Aaron Jones in that back half of the, the running back, you know, in that running back two landscape. I mean, if you sort of want to go early at quarterback, early at wide receiver and just bludgeon people at, 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 with volume at running back in 2022, that's absolutely a winning formula. And I think it's absolutely gettable in a way that you, you're not spending a ton at the running back position and getting killed at injury wise. I agree. And it, like, I almost feel like you need to give yourself a chance to get lucky at running back. Like that's the formula to do it. And and don't, you cannot play wide receiver that same way because you're not going to get lucky at wide receiver. Like guys do not come out of the fog to be impact wide receivers. Um, for the most part, I mean, they're late round draft hits, but like rarely do we see guys have like these uh, quantum leaps, like at, at late stages in their career or have like the impact of someone like Elijah Mitchell, who just no one really saw coming until all of a sudden he was the guy and Trey Sermon wasn't. Um, where are you and some of the other running backs coming back from uh, what did turn out to be season ending injuries, unlike the Cam Akers injury, uh, namely J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne? I'm interested in both of them. I mean, I think it's a it's the same type of debate about what do you value at the position. I mean, I, I think I think I'm interested in both of them. I think um, um, it's it's wild that J- Jacksonville hasn't figured out a way to get a quarterback, get a coach yet, considering how much you know they were the first team without a coach, and they're what I think they're the last team still without a coach. So, um, I, you know, it, we'll see sort of what the scheme is that comes in there. So that's that's a thing that I would watch for with ETM. But I think. It, with ETN, I don't want to put him in a McCaffrey type situation, but if you said, Hey, here's, you know, give me the quarterbacks that, or give me the running backs that could finish, you know, top five in terms of receptions per game. I think ETN would probably be on that list. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, at, at his range is probably a unique upside. Um, you know, so he's one that I think is interesting. I think Dobbins, Dobbins has always concerned me about being a capped upside guy, just because there isn't a ton of receiving work to go along with uh, the running backs in Baltimore. Uh, it just hasn't been something that they've really emphasized all that much. And if that's a Lamar thing or an offensive structure thing, it's tough to say, but that's been a consistent trend. So that gives me a little bit of pause. I think, you know, if at the, at the cost, I'm taking ETN over Dobbins, uh, but I, I can see. And, and Dobbins is actually going ahead of ETN, it looks like, in some in some of those keep trade cut uh, numbers. So I think that ETN probably at his cost is an interesting, uh, is probably an interesting buy low. Yeah, I agree. For some reason, there's always been like this uh, hesitation on him, it seems like, where when he was coming out, like, I, you know, people just weren't as enamored with him as I think maybe they should have been. And then, you know, he was going to be put in this odd role by Urban Meyer, but you know, I just like I've I've always been, uh, I don't know, just like I kind of fell in love with the guy Clemson just because of how good he was in the open field, and uh, yeah, it just seems like his game is made for the NFL. Uh, Jordan, I remember seeing you tweet something a few weeks ago that made me think you're a Ramondre Stevenson fan. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm a Ramondre Stevenson fan. He's my he's he was a guy. Yes. Yeah, and this is you know saying something for a Bills fan to be on yeah. the uh, Ramondre Stevenson bandwagon. So, uh, because t- I am too, man. Like, um, 
I and I know Alex Dunlap of of Roster Watch has made some really good calls when he's been on this show uh, in the past. Like he's he kind of was touting James Robinson. He was sort of touting Mac Jones last year. He was touting Debo after the Senior Bowl. Like he's made some great calls. He didn't think Ramondre Stevenson could play. Like when he like he liked Larry Roundtree more than Ramondre Stevenson last year. Like he just didn't think Ramondre Stevenson had what it took. And like, I don't know. I mean, I I saw when he was uh, just decimated Florida in the Cotton Bowl. I'm like, wow, this is a big dude with like foot speed and hands and uh, like just really intriguing. And I think we saw all of that in his rookie year after that little early season episode in the doghouse for the uh, week one fumble. Yeah. Everyone gets in Belichick's. Everyone gets in Belichick's doghouse. Like it's, you know, uh, <laughs> it seems like it. Uh, um, it's everyone gets in, in, in his doghouse. I mean, I, here's the thing. Like, I think what you said is kind of how I view this about, about running packs. If you're a big guy that can catch and move, I'm interested like as a type. Um, and so he was absolutely one of those. Like when you looked at some of his advanced numbers, again, he wasn't, he didn't test well, but it was clear that like guys his size shouldn't move like on a football field the way that he did. And again, I'm not a huge tape guy, but I just looked at him and he stood out to me in terms of how he moved. Um, and again, that was backed up by some of the draft pedigree. But if you look like he had a really, he had a really unique profile. He was an elite yards per route run guy in college. Which again, it wasn't a huge sample size, but when you look at that, you're like, all right, he can catch, right? That is a that is something that you look at and say he can catch and he can be involved in a passing game. And you know, he was also an elite yards after contact guy. And when you look at those two things, you're like, okay, here's a guy that can do stuff on his own on the ground and that can do stuff in the air and is big. And you know, that could combine with some goal line stuff. Um uh, that's really interesting. And again, it was one of those things where he's, you drafted him into a totally blocked spot, right? I mean, he was a second or third round rookie pick because he was going in behind Harris and behind Michelle. And those situations can clear up quicker than you would expect. I wonder sort of what his upside is uh, if with him and Harris. I mean, they have a really good backfield, but the two of them are really good. Um, I think it could be a, a Cleveland light type situation where maybe they're both pretty good, but they don't necessarily make huge impacts um you know outside of someone being injured but i sort of like him in that role um and i think he's probably a guy that even if harris is hurt you could start him in a pinch um but but you know long term i think i think they're both really interesting guys and if either one of them's hurt i think the other one's probably a top 12 projection in any week yeah and and we saw a little bit of that this year when they sort of traded traded off weeks being hurt. Uh, you know, I know Stevenson didn't exactly pop in that game against what, I think it was a, a like a Saturday night game against the Colts where a lot of people had yeah. high hopes on him. And yeah, the Colts were just kind of run blitzing on every down it seemed like, and they were hell bent on, on stopping him. Um, all right, Jordan, when you were on the show last year, you had cut meat, poultry and dairy out of your diet in January. Were there any uh, dietary resolutions this year? I've managed to, um, so I'm a big snacker, which is, which is not, not great. And one of the things when you give up meat and and dairy, you tend to find yourself eating bad stuff because it's easy. You can eat a lot of carby stuff or some bad stuff. So it's something I always had to be careful with. So I gave up chips and I gave up chocolate. So, um, it's been, uh, it's actually been pretty good. Uh, so I, I would, kind of, you know, okay, I'll get a bag of Fritos and I would, you know, I would do that. And then, you know, I'd look at the scale and I'd be like, what I, I you know, <laughs> what am I doing here? So yeah, I've given that up. It's been a successful month, actually. I haven't really had the temptations. It's kind of out of my body, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Nice. I think I'll be able to cut out chips once the Super Bowl's over, but until then, I'm not sure I could be able to pull that off. Um, you tweeted something not long ago about uh, being jolted by having Nirvana lumped in with the classic rock genre. Uh, does, Spotify. Does it, yeah. Does it make you feel old or uh, is that it? Like you're a child of the 90s? Um, yeah, I was a little young for Nirvana. So I was more I was still um, they were before I really was into music. Um, so I was, you know, and Kurt Cobain died probably when I was like, uh, six or seven, I think. So, um, I was a little young for it. Uh, but you know, I've come back to sort of, you know, appreciating some of the 90s stuff. Uh, and my daughter 
likes her Nirvana shirt. So that's always good. But yeah, I'm like, wait a second. I shouldn't be, my, my music shouldn't be in classic rock. <laughs> this isn't what classic rock is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's jolting. It's a little, it's a little, uh, it makes you kind of turn your head a little bit. Say, wait a second. What, how old are we again? <laughs> are there any other bands that have been like that, that are now like being, uh, revered as, as like the, uh, I don't know, the, the earlier generation, uh, like what are some of the favorite bands of your youth? Um, I'm a, I'm a big Foo Fighters fan now. Um, and so, you know, they pop up occasionally on like a classic rock station, but I don't think people, you know, they're still playing. So I don't think people usually think of them that way. Um, you know, and I, I was, I liked a lot of seventies music and it's funny because I liked a lot of seventies music and now like bands of my age are being sort of lumped in with <laughs> that on the radio station. You're like, wait a second. Like there's a big generational difference there. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, it's an interesting thing as we look back now, just to think, you know, uh, it's funny because Nirvana was so different at the time and now it, you know, now it's just, just being lumped in with classic rock. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. You wouldn't ex- like, I don't know, I, I guess a few, uh, 10 or 15 years ago would have been bizarre to hear like a Boston song and then Nirvana and then like the cars or something like that, but maybe it wouldn't be so weird anymore. Um, all right, Jordan, let's talk about the newest edition of the analytics of dynasty. Uh, this just came out, correct? Yeah. Yep. Just came out this weekend. Yeah. So you put out a new edition every year at about the same time. And, uh, I know there is just like a shitload of, of writing and editing that goes into it every year. Um, is there anything you do to celebrate after you finish work on a new edition? Are you like the, the James Conn character in misery with a, a bottle of champagne and a, a cigarette ready to go as soon as you've typed the last word? I like to get it. I like to get some sleep. Um, that's usually what I do. And then, um, yeah, I was able to. I was able to finish it. It was actually good because I was still working on it when the Bills lost. So, so I had something to distract myself from feeling bad about that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it, you know. Then I come talk to my friends, which is which is fun. So that ends up being the pivot. I put down the you know, I put the keyboard away and pick up the microphone and start talking about it. So that's usually the the pivot. You know, people are like you should get out, go on vacation. I was like, if I don't have to type again for a while, that's that's the vacation. <laughs> that so uh, what what's new in the twenty twenty two? edition and how is this book going to help people become better dynasty managers yeah yeah so there's a lot of stuff in here um it's fun i think the big takeaway from it is is the team building stuff and i i usually don't do a ton of like hey here's stuff that i've done that works um but i i have in the past i would say two years gone through a little bit of a transformation in terms of how i think about dynasty um i'm much more yeah i would i would consider myself you know Baby Jordan, 2018 Jordan, 2017 Jordan, being a big into the productive struggle, you know, take some time, develop the team, then you're trying to compete, you know, use two, three, four, something like that. Um, you know, constantly taking the, the long view on things, um, especially down at the bottom of my roster. Um, I have totally scrapped that. Um, and now I look at things very much of if you're not trying to win in 2022, um, as we sit here in January, um, you know, we're recording January 31st. If you're not trying to win this upcoming year, um, you're probably not doing it right. Um, and there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think a lot of people think, Oh, I need to think two or three years down the line. You know, people will ask me, you know, what, you know, what, um, you know, what do you think about this trade? And well, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, I want to compete in 2024. Like you got so much time between now and then that we could do stuff and we don't necessarily need to think that long-term. You know, I went through and I have a couple of case studies in here. I turned two teams around that earned really high rookie picks because they were bad last year into being, um, they had buys, right. And they turned a profit this year. Um, and so like, those are, like you should be trying to do that. And there's plenty of time to do that, right? I think a lot of the market wants to be in the long-term business. There's a ton of time to be able to turn your team around um, and, and, you know, make it better in the near term. Um, and I think, you know, just properly organizing your team and properly valuing your assets is, is the easiest way to do that. And I'm not even a big, just trade future first guy. That's not how I would typically do it. I just think you need to optimize your roster around productive guys instead of non-productive guys that are valued highly. Um, and so that's the thing, again, that's probably why I'm not on Lawrence, right? Because I think Lawrence is, he's a highly valued guy. That's not going to really help you. I don't think. Um, so I'd rather pivot to a, I would even pay up, right. To move to a guy that's even more highly 
valued, but can help you, right? The difference between him and Mahomes last year, probably in startup drafts last year, maybe it was a first round draft pick, but it was probably a two plus win difference to your team. That's a massive difference. That is a huge difference. Um, and that pick has already paid for itself. Um, and it's probably late if you had Mahomes. So, and it was a bad Mahomes year. So all those things, like it's just a huge difference in terms of how you're properly sort of doing that. Um, so I, I looked a lot at team building and I, I did something else that I call the, the AOD hierarchy of assets. Um, and it sort of goes along with that in terms of thinking about players as assets, thinking about them in terms of how they hit and, and then being able to trade with them. I think it really should streamline the way we think about players and, and, uh, and being productive in your fantasy teams. Yeah, I like that you um, always take the big picture view on on this stuff. You've got the Hawks view, and I know that uh, like I'm guilty of being too player centric sometimes, and like you know trying to assess where I should be on on different players, and and you know kind of the micro view. But I I love that you take the macro view of it uh, with your book. So where where can people get this, Jordan? Where do they uh, go to get their hands on it? Yeah, you can go to analyticsdynasty.com. Uh, and then it's, uh, right up at the top, you just go AOD, uh, analytics dynasty store and just click on the 2022 edition. Uh, it'll be there. You can go and, uh, and get it. It'll be delivered to you as an, as a PDF, as an ebook, uh, just in your email and, uh, once you order it. So you can go ahead and check that out and, um, you know, and get, and get working. I think it's the, the title that I chaptered was confessions of a uh, recovering, recovering productive struggler. So there's a lot in there about, <laughs> about stuff about how I've changed my strategy. People are like, are you ever wrong in terms of things you think I was like, I was like wrong all the time. I said, watch this chapter. So, so yeah, so it's good. And, uh, and I'm excited about how it came out. In the time we have left, let me mm-hmm. let me hit on a few more just sort of miscellaneous things that I'm curious uh, to get your take on. Does the hiring of Brian Dable by the Giants make you any more interested in uh, any of the guys on that roster? Um, I'm especially kind of curious about your takes on Saquon Barkley and uh, Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius Tony is fascinating. Um, and I think Kadarius Tony, when you look at, so one of the things I actually looked at from a player specific thing, um, again, so I like to look at a lot of the, whether it's, you know, thinking about them as rules or what, what have you, um, look at being able to identify patterns about players and, and knowing how to think of them. Right. That's one of the big things that I think about is like, how do you, you know, how do you, you know, if you see a player, what is, what do they look like historically? Basically, what's that? So what should that tell you about the player? And if you look at Kadarius Tony, he didn't, he ran just short of 200 routes. So he doesn't technically qualify for this, but I think he ran like 196 or 197 routes. So he's basically meets my threshold of looking at 200 routes. When you look at his yards per route run, uh, it's 2.14. That's about as good as you can find in terms of rookies coming in uh, and, and not producing a starter season. That's about as good as you can find. I mean, I would put him close to like a 90% on my sort of uh, odd, my hit, um, you know, and when I do my analysis and sort of run my numbers, like he's, he's looking like about as good of a bet as you can find, like 90, uh, close to 90% chance of being a top, uh, 24 guy. He's also like close to two thirds percent chance to be a top half guy. Again, I would probably take the under on that just because I think there's a lot of uncertainty in his situation. But when you look at that, he totally pops and he's one that I think I have to really rethink based on his rookie season about where he was coming in. Um, so he would be the big one that I would think about. And uh, listen, I am a, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be a starter, but if you told me that a smart offensive coordinator got his hands on him and sort of remade him, I think that there's ways to do that. You know, stressing the deep vertical game um, in particular where he's performed well, but for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me, uh, his offensive coordinators haven't wanted to do that. Um, when you look at him, he's graded well as, as a deep passer and done it pretty well. Uh, and they ran it like the lowest in the league. So I think all of those things like you could, like I could squint and say, all right, there's a, there's success with Daniel Jones. And I think the comp is going to be Josh Allen that people talk about. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that high, uh, but I do think if you looked at him and said, Hey, there's, there's growth here with uh, Josh Allen's uh, offensive coordinator, that, that would not surprise me. And I think that he's one that we're probably there's ceiling there. I think that we're probably not pricing in. Yeah. Um, I like that too. I got it. And I'm excited about Kadarius, Tony. I'm excited that I fell ass backwards into him in a couple of my dynasty drafts, uh, rookie drafts last year. But 
Man, one thing that kind of makes me nervous is that he had like all the injuries late in the season and it would be less concerning if it was just one injury, but it was like this medley of like three or four different things that kept him out of games uh, in the back half of the season. But yeah, man, the, the two games we saw from him and what I want to say it was, I can't remember if it was October, November, but where he just looked like such a special athlete, just hyper twitchy, that thing he did where he would just like, uh, he'd have this comeback route. And then he'd like, as soon as that ball was in his hands, he just, it was like a bed spring, like uncoiled, like just an explosive move uh, to get away from the defender. So um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about him too. I just, like, and no one I, wanted him in rookie drafts last year. No, no, <laughs> I know everyone just assumed Gettleman and made us another stupid pick. And right. uh, it turns right. out the guy actually looks pretty good. So right. Um, right. what about, Barkley. What do we do with that guy? Like I, you know, obviously go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So people want to forgive his situation, which I could totally get on board with doing if he outperformed Devontae Booker in any meaningful way, which he hasn't done. And so that's what gives me pause about him is, you know, we, we've basically been, um, you know, sort of in a situation where the marketplace, uh, the dynasty market, right? The dynasty GMs uh, have really been high on him. And I get it. I understand it. He performed really well early in his career. He deserved to be that high. We have forgiven all of the other stuff and, and blamed it away. Um, but in a neutral setting, right? Between him and Devontae Booker this year on about the same touches and about the same snap share, uh, Booker was arguably better. Um, Barkley was not, but we can certainly say that Barkley wasn't better than Booker. I think you could make the case that Barkley, uh, that Booker was actually better than Barkley, we, which we don't need to do for the sake of this debate, which is that should give us a lot of pause, right? That should give us some concern about his profile. Um, and again, he's one that's interesting because you, you get a new front office in here. Is this front office going to want to pay a running back? Um, you know, is he one that, is he going to be there? Um, or is he one that you could potentially move on from? And we saw the Bills do this a little bit early on in their career was they kind of took their dead money hits right off the, the top. Uh, with the, the, this iteration of the front office, which is where Joe Sheen, uh, their new offensive coordinator is coming from. So, or sorry, their new uh, GM is coming from. So we can sort of see that. I wouldn't bank on Barkley being a giant 2022 would sort of be my, would be my other thing that I would think of. Um I think it's going to be really interesting their offseason. I'm fascinated by what's going to happen with Barkley. But I don't yeah. feel a ton of confidence. I don't feel a ton of confidence. Interesting, because that's not an angle you hear a lot. But I, I think I could see a scenario where, yeah, maybe they move on and, and uh, try to move him. Um, all right. I'm not getting you. Uh, I'm not trying to pin you down here or get you to commit to anything. Jordan, I know you've been grinding away in the book all January. But are there any rookies in the incoming class who you're – uh, intrigued by at this point? I have done um, basically no rookie analysis, um, but I'll say this. I think generally speaking, we um, if you eliminate uh, wide receivers from the, uh, the rookie draft, um, you know, the first round of rookie drafts, if you just take them out, they, uh, the hit rate goes way up. So when you think about that for a second, if you're just looking at, at running backs, if you're looking at, uh, you know, the quarterbacks and super flex as well, um, that gets a little bit more complicated depending on how you want to measure it. But generally speaking, if you just don't draft wide receivers at their cost, um, you're going to improve your, your odds of hitting. Um, so that would sort of be my initial takeaway and sort of how I'd look at this class. And then also the other way that I would look at it is once the dust settles, treat profiles the same. So, um, you know, take the last, right? Take the last uh, first round wide receiver, especially if it, it means trading down, right? If, it, or if, you know, you know, the, we use the Bateman to uh, uh, Jalen Waddle and Kadarius Tony example earlier, right? You want to look at those types of situations. You want to take the last bet on those profiles that are largely random, which is first round wide receivers. Um, you want to take those last bets. So those are the things that I'm looking for before I start my initial player analysis, which I swore I wouldn't do until February. So you've got 
like 13 hours left until I can start doing that. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is interesting because I think a lot of people believe the strength of this class is in the wide receivers. And, uh, you know, there I've seen a lot of people thinking that Traylon Burks, who I also like, I mean, I'm not going to lie about that, but as the consensus number one, even in super flex, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let other, I'll be the tax collector on that. You know I mean, I'll let other people make that. If I have that pick, I'll let other people make the pick, and I'll 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 collect whether that's future assets or anything like that. I mean, that's how I would typically play that. And we've been burned by the wide receiver one, right? We're coming off of one where we've got Jamar Chase, but we've been burned by that before a yes, lot. You know, yes. I mean? we've been burned by Corey Davis and some really other good things. And again, I like Corey Davis, but I think that's a bet that you you kind of have to avoid making. Um, because especially after Jamar Chase, because people are going to want to pay for it. And I'll, I'll take the tax and I'll, I'll be the tax collector. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. A, a couple, maybe one or two of your favorite dynasty stashes. Guys, you would like to have tucked away as maybe the last, uh, you know, the, the 28th man on a 28 man roster, the 30th man on a 30 man roster. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think... Um, uh, you know, I, I tend to look at tight ends in this in this context uh, as being guys that I think are interesting uh, when, when you look at, at guys like, um, you know, when you're looking kind of deeper down the line, you can see guys like Conklin and, and those guys sort of hit from there. Um, so a guy that I've uh, I've had, uh, you know, a, a decent, you know, I play a lot of tight end premium leagues as well. Um, so I've added in guys like Trey McKitty, who are just, you know, dirt cheap, uh, a little a little. Um, you know, discount uh, pedigree there, if you will. Uh, you know, and then I would look to get some other guys in terms of like your backup quarterbacks. I think that's an interesting range to have there. Again, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to make anyone's difference, but I think if at the end of the day, you know, if we turn to 2022 week one, like there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be a starter because there's just not enough of them going around. So I think those things are, those situations are interesting. And then look, you know, try and get some, some, um, you know, running backs on the deep end of your, your roster that I think are also, are also interesting. A guy, you know, like I think Zach Moss is probably written off, but he's probably going to be an injury away guy. Um, you know, I think that those types of bets, those situational bets are the bets that I really like to take in, in that range of the draft. Yeah. You, uh, earlier you had mentioned one of my favorite stashes, uh, Wangwu of, uh, the Vikings as, as just a guy who potentially, you know, if, if things opened up, for him with injuries or uh, down the line in a, a few years, if, if things change in the Minnesota backfield, a guy who just looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he gets his hands on the ball. Um, all right. Last thing. Give me a prediction for the Super Bowl, Jordan. Uh, who do you see winning and, and give me a ballpark final score? Um, I think the, uh, I think the Rams are going to win. Um, I think um, I said the, the, the I thought I'd seen the over under was 50. I think it's probably below that just because I think that's a, usually a safer bet in the Super Bowl. These things tend to go a little bit slower pace than we project. And I don't think the, the offenses have performed all that well. You know what I mean? It's and I, the most frustrating part for me is, is it didn't take, you know, it took a, an a plus game to basically get to a spot where you still lost to, um, Patrick Mahomes for Josh Allen, and it hasn't taken uh, that anywhere near that to beat Mahomes in other games, which is frustrating. So, oh, I know. Um, you know, I don't think you could turn on that game and say that Cincinnati played an A plus game or anything really close to that. What the what uh, what Allen did, but anyways, uh, I'm still recovering. So you still you still we still recovering. So I think I think um, I think Stafford uh, probably gets his ring uh, would sort of be my inclination, and I'm I'm on the Rams. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jordan McNamara of Football Guys, the author of the Analytics of Dynasty. Uh, Go buy the new 2022 edition to make yourself a better and smarter Dynasty manager. And go find Jordan on Twitter at Dynasty McNamara. Always so good to talk to you, Jordan. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, man. Good talking to you. And that's it for the show. My thanks once again to our guest this week, Jordan McNamara of Football Guys. Find him on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. And I think I might have said at Dynasty McNamara earlier. It is at McNamara Dynasty. My apologies for that. The producer of Fits on Fantasy is the great Calm Kelly. Find him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. 
And be sure to check out the Rotoviz Overtime podcast that he co-hosts along with Sean Siegel. The music for Fits on Fantasy is provided by the legendary Milwaukee ska band International Jet Sets. And I'd like to thank you, dear listener, for lending me your ears. I'm grateful for your listenership and your support. Please join me again next week when I will be joined by yet another great guest. Until then, so long, everyone. Hi, my name is Elliot Smith. I host a podcast on the Blue Wire Network, and we are fundraising to help child refugees from the war in Ukraine. Through Save the Children's Emergency Fund, we can make a big difference for these needy children. Please help us. You can go to our website, arsenalvisionpodcast.com, and click Charity. That'll take you to our Just Giving page, and when you donate, you're even eligible to win some prizes. Please help us raise money for these needy children at arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash give. Let's show what the Blue Wire Network family can do.